Hello and welcome to People of Tech with me, Charles Commons, the podcast where I speak to leading figures discussing the current climate and the future of technology in their industries. Along the way, we'll learn more about the people behind the job title and share their thoughts and opinions on their role. In this week's episode... IoT devices, they are just like a laptop and your smartphone. They are more dangerous than any rook or malicious applications because they are the devices that your applications run on top. If I have a smart street lamp, and this street lamp is really smart, there should be some kind of AI built into all these street lamps such that it is programmed not only to switch on and off on a predetermined timing, but they can actually detect whether is there a need to do that at all. My guest this week is cybersecurity expert and the executive vice president for Asia Pacific at the Center for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies, Aloysius Chung. Aloysius is the CEO of a company that specializes in developing the basic building blocks for implementing security into IoT products, and it is this area that we discuss on this episode of the podcast. To begin our conversation, Aloysius introduces his career and discusses where his interest in cyber tech and security came from. I'm actually work for the Ministry of Defense in Singapore in their national uh, laboratories focusing on um, computer security research. And that was actually my first job. And what got them my first job was that you know, in the early days, you have to hack your way into those PBS to prove your metal, prove who you are. You have the skills. You, you, you have what it takes to be part of the pack. And that actually got me on that path. And I can tell you that, you know, the first one of the first assignments I had, I was literally staring face to face with the perpetrator on the other side, where he actually tried to hack into one of the systems here in Singapore that uh, I was actually managing and um, uh, on the behalf of our customer. And I was actually literally staring at the guy face-to-face as he typed every single script, every command into the, the systems. From the Ministry of Defense, I left the public sector and joined the private sector, heading to a consulting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I learned the difference between public and private sector. What, what are the key areas that uh, your customer would be more concerned with? In between that, uh, in the last eight years, I have started a few cybersecurity companies and uh, I was actually also sitting on the chief security office around table in, in, in the White House in the U.S. And that's where was when we actually moved the idea of starting an organization that looked up after the fledging technology trend at that time, which is called cloud computing. So how do I secure cloud computing? And uh, from there, we actually started the Cloud Security Alliance, where, where I subsequently joined the alliance as a as a full-time staff back in 2011. I left CSA at the end of 2017 and uh, focusing on my other businesses. Uh, just it happens that at that time, 
Richard uh, Zatluski, he came to me um, and asked me whether uh, after leaving CSA, whether I have the bandwidth to join CSIS, cyber-centric think tank to establish CSIS uh, in Asia-Pacific. And I gladly accepted that. Uh, I, I said yes to him. And, and that's it. I'm here as the EVP and board director for the Center for Strategy Cyberspace and International Studies. So we, we've spoken to um, a, a few of your colleagues from CSIS as well. Um, what does your role actually entail within that organization? So as the title pointed out, what I'm supposed to do is to establish CSIS in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, trying to, uh, where CSIS have never been uh, really able to open up this market here in in Asia Pacific and that's the reason why um, I joined I was looking uh, to try to help my colleagues to open up this region which I told them that besides um, telling people that you are a think tank that is cyber centric uh, you need to start doing something and get the people here in Asia Pacific to get their hands dirty as well, to join us and join CISUS, uh, some collaborations and joint projects. And, and, and from there, my role sort of changed to not only focusing on the Asia Pacific region, but also leading the particular initiative that I've started with getting the people here in Asia Pacific to participate in mind. So, in short, my responsibility is not only geographically, but also the initiative that I brought into CSIS that originally was brought into CSIS with the intent to get cyber leaders here in Asia Pacific to participate in CSIS activities. You're very focused on the Internet of Things, which we all know as smart technology such as voice-activated appliances like Google Home and Amazon Echo, for example. But there's far more to it than just these well-known consumer devices, isn't there? Yes, there's more than meet the eye. And um, let me explain a little bit why um, IoT should be was identified as the uh, focal point how we could enter the market here in Asia Pacific is not only for the fact that it actually is a good conversation point, uh, uh, but it is also something that right now is lacking in the market. So somebody needs to drive uh, IoT security in this market. And I thought that maybe CISOs could do, the, do that, um, take out that role and, and, and drive that internationally. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I started an organization called Cloud Security Alliance, uh, establishes Asia-Pacific operations. So Cloud Security Alliance looks after the security of cloud computing. And with that, we have created many research artifacts that leads towards training, professional trainings and, and certifications for cloud company. So if we look at the architecture of uh, or the paradigm of, of computing that have evolved over the last 40, 50 years, uh, 
Cloud has brought about a new uh, era uh, in the sense that uh, we are going to move away from traditional on-premise build where everyone has to build and manage their own data centers, uh, which can get quite massive, uh, heterogeneous, hard to manage, and expensive. So Cloud was there supposedly to simplify everything and, 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 and make wrap everything up such that you look at it from a service perspective. It's like, I want to consume it like the like a, a, like an utility, like the power and water. So it's just as simple as that as switching on that switch, whether I want that computing power or not. So if I look at the whole computing paradigm that cloud computing brought about, obviously uh, on one end, it provides you raw compute and storage capabilities. But on the other hand, uh, you you need to assess all this pure raw compute and storage capabilities through an endpoint, which in this case is any computing devices. So in the last eight years, CSA was focusing on defining the security controls that's required for people to get to the cloud, defining controls, security controls for cloud service providers like the AWS, the Microsoft, the Google, and the Alibaba. But on the other hand, nobody has really got about defining the security controls for these endpoints that are used to assess the data that's been processed in all this cloud. So there's no uniformity or a simple way that you can envision the consumption of this data through the endpoint like we have envisioned for cloud computing. So there's something that's lacking in this industry in the last three to five years that, that a lot of people have identified maybe we have to start with mobile applications and making sure that mobile applications are developed in the right way, that data don't go leak out. And in the past three to five years, when people built smart cities and they implement a lot of smart solutions for home enterprise, they sort of treat all these smart things, all these IoT devices as simple one-way traffic kind of uh, IT devices that are there just to collect data. But little did they know that all these IT devices not only collect data, but they also crunch this data, process them, and send it somewhere else. So all these IoT devices is not just an RFID tag anymore. They are not just a non-thinking devices, but they are actually a full-fetched computing devices of their own. And they not only can collect information, they do process information, and they also disseminate this information. So when people are developing their strategy and framework, how to manage all these smart things or smart devices that they are using in their smart city implementation, they fail to address this area of concern.
since we are opening up the Asia Pacific market, and through our research, we found that more than ninety percent of all the IoT devices they are actually designed in Asia, in Taiwan. We call them original design manufacturers. That subsequently companies in US, in Europe, they slap their own logos on these products and start to sell these products as their own. So, we obviously we are missing something because if we really want to make sure that controls are going to be implemented, the right security design principles are put in place. Instead of talking to those people that slap on their company logos on these products, we should actually approach the ODMs. And through the ODMs, you can actually manage the OEMs, which is which are the factories in China that develop all these devices based on the schema that's provided by all these ODMs. Naturally, when the ODMs have a design that have all the security controls all talked through, and they send this design, this schema. To the factories in China that develop, uh, that 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 um manufacture all these I IoT devices, they will manufacture IoT devices that are secure out of the box. So if ninety percent of this design come from, uh, are done in Taiwan, makes sense that we try to engage all the ODMs in Taiwan to make sure that. They agree upon on a common framework on how uh, we should assess and certify IoT devices based on a set of criteria that we're going to define in a white paper. So that becomes sort of the exercise that we have been trying to do for the past year at CSIS as we try to establish our presence here in Asia Pacific. So, IoT devices—they are just like your laptop and your and your smartphone. They are more dangerous than any rook or malicious applications because they are the devices that your applications run on top of it. So, whatever is going to be in the firmware is going to override what is going to be defined. In your applications, that applies not only for the Alexa, that applies not only for they call it the smart video cameras, smart CCTVs, that um was reported to have some serious security vulnerabilities last year or two years back, as we can see, uh, in an accident that、uh, incident that was driven by Mirai virus that about five hundred thousand. Personal IP cameras into zombies, and they commandeer it, and they actually cripple the entire internet. It only takes five hundred thousand IP cameras with no username and password. Manufacture in China only took five hundred thousand of them to cripple the entire internet globally. Time for a short break now, but when we come back, we'll get Aloysius's thoughts on the security of IoT and how the issue of trust has become a potential barrier to its growth. Content marketing is—it's our obsession. Consumers are always being bombarded with content 
So white papers, mostly they are used, I guess, to persuade people. When you're refreshing content, really you're updating it. Go through your notifications every day and respond to people that are connecting with you. We've seen a real fundamental shift in the dynamics of marketing over the last 10 to 15 years. Tech Demand Weekly, the weekly podcast for marketing professionals. Now they know that I'm not just playing the sport for fun, I'm watching the scoreboard. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What I think it's fair to sort of say is that, you know, with, with what's happened in the in the recent past with, uh, you know, data security um, and, and privacy becoming more of a concern to the general public because of the reported cyber attacks on places like the Marriott Group, the NHS a couple of years ago with the malware uh, attack and things like that. that. That brings a question about how securely our data is being stored. And it creates a lack of trust in the organization that stores it. You obviously talk there about the fact that, you know, the products uh, that are being sold over here in the UK and in the USA, that basically the Western world are being, de- you know, designed and actually created in Asia. And, and therefore, you know, you were talking about going and actually rather than going to the the big brand names that are just putting their logo on these items on these products go to the manufacturer directly and 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 say look we we need to make these as secure as humanly possible and 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 really go to the source with it i mean it must create a, a barrier to the growth of smart technology uh, you know th- this distrust in data security imagine again just just to make it sink down in you what if 911 can be replicated but this time round by having smart self-driving cars all crashing into the twin tower instead of two planes for example or having the explode, self-implode all these cars in front of whatever building that you want to bomb. What about drones that crippled well, uh, that the air traffic controls in the airports of UK? What if these drones are programmed to search and kill planes? This is a stark reality that we are staying at. Not to mention what about the pacemaker that you have in your heart? What if I send a command for you to have a sudden surge or send a command to deregulate your heartbeat? It's not just weapon of mass disruption. That's what IT issues in the past. We, we always thought that IT would just become weapon of mass disruption. As It's m- more like irritant as we cut your internet, cut your communication, but life just still goes on. But no, with all these things, if they are compromised, it's going to be a weapon of mass destruction. Well, this distrust, since it will create a rift between adoption and technology advances, therefore it's imperative that we address this concern right head on as soon as we can to get people aware of the issues that were brought about by 
adopting these new technologies and how we can prevent that. And, and that's what I meant by getting everybody on the same table, using scissors as the think tank to get everybody to come to consensus what is the right way forward. What do we need to adopt to make sure that, you know, that we, we stem the problem at the root. For example, the adoption of a product certification that will be once and for all, we'll be able to not only tell you as a corporate um, purchaser, but you as an individual home, as an individual or as a homeowner, when you buy all these things, you know that you're getting a system that is secure out of the box. Rather than a system, for example, a smart TV that you're going to put in your living room, put it in your lounge. And the next thing you know that the moment you do your yoga or whatever personal and private things in front of the TV, you'll be streamed to YouTube. You don't want that. So what we want is something that come out of the box, a smart TV that have all these sharing functions managed in a way that they don't share without your permission. Nobody can spy on you. No, nobody can disseminate information without your approval. And that's going to be something that we need to address as soon as possible because we are now seeing a convergence of technologies. What do I mean by that? Today, we have so many buzzword, technology buzzword out there that you have the blockchain of the world, you have the AI, then you have all the fintech thing. So there's just too many things happening right now. But one thing for sure is that for them to be of some value, some of this technology may have to converge. For example, if I have a smart street lamp, if this street lamp is really smart, there should be some kind of AI built into all these street lamps such that it is programmed not only to switch on and off on a predetermined timing, but they can actually detect whether is there a need to do that at all? Whether, for example, is it nightfall? Whether, for example, is there anybody on the street? So I might not have to shine my light all the time. I may only need to switch it on when there are cars or pedestrians on the road. Or maybe instead of blasting it 100% of my light, maybe I would just have a 30-40% instead of turning full power. So if I am having AI built into these smart street lamps, I could even take it further. As in, I can even control the entire precinct, the entire neighborhood, and I go nationwide on that. So through one small little thing, I can control maybe the whole world. And that's the scary part of it. In an article that was published in uh, the British newspaper, The Guardian, um, the author suggested that security experts were arguing that not enough is being done to build security and privacy into I- IoT devices. I mean, th- this article was, I think, three years old at the time that I saw it last week. Um, I mean, they had... Uh, 
examples of stories of baby monitors and home appliances like ovens and fridges being hacked in the past, actually by security experts to kind of prove their point that there wasn't enough security. Um, we recently, early in 2019, uh, had BlackBerry announce um, that they released a survey that found 80% of consumers don't trust their current IoT devices to keep their data safe as well. Um, and, and obviously, BlackBerry were basically saying we're going to be that company that actually um, makes you believe and makes you trust in these devices again um, or start to for the first time. Do you think enough is being done now in 2019 to ensure IoT isn't the next big hacking target? Well, I will say that it's right for the taking. Because IoT, we have been talking about IoT for the past five, five years to eight years that's been there all along. The fact is that there's an exponential increment in mentions of IT, IoT-related hacking incidents for the last two, three years. As I rightly mentioned in that Guardian article two, three years back, I think the, the, um, the author was actually referring to the threat that was proven by the proliferation of Mirai botnet, the Mirai virus that commanded about four five hundred thousand webcam made by a Chinese firm called Xiongmai to control these webcams. You don't need anything at all because it doesn't come with the most basic username and password. So the very same company Xiongmai, they learned from the mistake three years back. They 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 added in the security control of requiring a username and password, but they put a default password that everybody knows. Like for example, all of us know that to get connected to some of our devices like our Bluetooth, that maybe you just need a password of 1111, that kind of thing. So you put in a username, you put in a username and password, and you put in a default password of 1111 and never force your user to change it. It's as good as having a username and password not included as a control at all. But having said that, I think this, this manufacturer, they did really take into account the recommendation of security professionals after that Mirai incident happened. And they put in username and password into all their webcams and their IP cameras. They are all designed without security in mind. In fact, security was just an afterthought to address such issues. Security professionals like to suggest that these manufacturers adopt a secure, secure by design approach when it comes to designing their IoT. <laughs> I am more concerned whether is there an effective way of eliminating data that is of public concerns and data that are private. So we are all very concerned about our private information being shared or sold online. So with IoT and leveraging IoT as the basic building blocks, cities and nations are moving ahead with their smart city and smart nation initiatives hoping to create that utopian world where IT will play the critical role in connecting everyone together. It's almost like the matrix, right? As every one of us joining the matrix, 
is there a way, an effective and simple way to manage our data such that our data stays as our data and user will have power to detect how this data can be used. So it's going to be very interesting how we see how, how things like GDPR will be helping different parts of the world to visualize and conceptualize their own GDPR for their own consumption in their own country and in their region. And I think the future lies in the way that user, not corporates, not governments, need to be aware that we shouldn't be selling away our data cheaply and we need to regain control our data such that we can force companies and governments to come to the table and acknowledge our concerns and make sure that in our pursuit for that utopian life with technology driving the society, we don't lose ourselves in the middle of it. We don't lose ourselves in the metrics. So how do you see the future being, Aloysius? Will IoT lead us into that utopian world where wealth is no longer the driving force behind our race, as Gene Roddenberry alluded to in Star Trek? There's always the question of who is going to watch the watchers, right? So there must be a limit of where this uh, paranoia about security, where is it going to stop, where the bus going to stop. There's no perfect security in, in today's world. You wouldn't go and get perfect security even if you lock your computer in a strong room as you can probably uh, envision Tom Cruise coming down from the ceiling in Mission Impossible. So for the f- security fanatic, they just going to tell you that just don't use any IT devices, don't use any computing devices, get your hand off them and live a life of the gypsies. But the truth is that we actually need them more than we need. We, we think that we need them. So there should be some kind of adequate paranoia built into everything. So you should be concerned about data leakages. For example, you should be concerned about what you're going to share on LinkedIn, what you're going to share on your Facebook. You need to curate your own private data on the internet. On the other hand, simple things like you just have to ask the question of whether you need it or not, right? Whether you need a smart TV or not. So if you have Apple TV, maybe you, what you should do is to do the configuration on Apple TV on the console. And then for the smart TV that your Apple TV is connecting to, maybe your smart TV doesn't need the Wi-Fi. Maybe your smart TV doesn't need any other things except that for that HDMI cable that connects itself to Apple TV. So if you don't need it, just turn it off. So it's just using common sense, right? My thanks to Aloysius Chang. Thanks also to you for joining me on another episode of People of Tech. You can now find us on our new website, itglobalmarket.com. That's it for this week. Join me again next time for another episode of People of Tech.